I really don't like words like artist or integrity or courage or nobility. I have a kind of distrust of all those words because I don't really know what those words mean. Whether I like it or not, for example, and no matter what I call myself, I suppose the only word for me when the tips are down is that I am an artist. There is such a thing. But Love, hosted by me, your midnight love, Wanda Lowe. That was James Baldwin speaking at New York City's Community Church in the 1960s. James Baldwin is a very prolific writer, fiction and nonfiction. And this lecture was broadcasted later under the title, The Artist's Struggle for Integrity. It's a precursor to this podcast, and this podcast is picking it up. Baldwin takes up the task to declare artists do have a spillover effect, and that spillover effect revitalizes us. All right, I said the cat survived all that. And this is a very crucial thing. You know, dirty socks can make you feel like nothing but a dirty sock. You walk into a room and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I write. And they say, yeah, well, what do you do? And you wonder, what do you do? to our age of ubiquitous media, I have trouble seeing where art lives and grows. It seems dissected and rationed out at houses and studios and bars, and art's infrastructure on a macro level seems to be limited to museums and monolith industries, like in cities in Los Angeles and New York. And sometimes these monoliths continue to produce insincere art, and we're just stuck with it. HWP, happy white people, <laughs> that happy white people aesthetic. We're not getting the complete truth. It's not that we're being lied to. We're not getting the complete spectrum. And like. And it's not satisfying. No. As many works of art, For No Reason But Love was born from a brain fog of frustrating confusion. I wondered, what is the state of art and artists? Is it flourishing? And if it isn't, what am I missing out on? Are people determined to believe that they can make suffering obsolete? Who don't understand yet a very simple physiological fact that a pain which signals a toothache is a pain which saves your life. So, with no hesitation, I decided to go 1980s journalists on this biz. Credibility be damn, save off imposter syndrome for my 40s. I took the playbook from Coffee and Cigarettes. Hello? And I used my cell phone as a recording device and asked all types of artists, 
Musicians, filmmakers, comedians, painters, performers, mix and fine, and all the above folks to have a cup of coffee with me and let me interview them about the most impolite topic in the world. Morty! To clear the air, not about how many times they slurp up ramen noodles, more about their economic obstacles towards prosperity. That's the root of the tree, isn't it? Integrity, art, struggle are positively flimsy words until we contextualize them. There is such a thing as integrity. Some people are noble. There is such a thing as courage. All the material used follows all licensing laws. Love the law. Hey. To begin, I vetted the hobbyists from the professionals, and I asked, how long have you been an artist? It's kind of a loaded question. You know, I think everyone has the capability to be an artist, Mm -hmm. but to discover that you are and want to pursue artistry. Mm -hmm. But to keep it short and sweet, I would say I've been an artist. Oh, gosh, no. It's longer than I thought. (laughs) It wasn't really planned. They just never stopped. And then I started writing scripts with my friends, and we would start making dumb YouTube skits together, and we would have rehearsals after school, totally not school-related. We were, like, in fourth, fifth grade, and we would put on wigs and shit, just, like, record at each other's houses. It's still happening. It's still happening. Nothing changed. <laughs> so, and you just, you know, are you making more of a professional career out of it? <laughs> yeah. Like, the most cliche answer would be my whole life. Um, Take that answer. In the sense that I've always been a pretty, like, bouncy kid, which all kids are. Mm-hmm. And, like, like Hunter was saying, there's an artist in everybody. So even if you're not pursuing art, I think you can still identify as an artist. And not everyone chooses to, and that's completely okay. Mm-hmm. But that it's very capable for everyone. Absolutely. But I was shocked to find the raw dedication towards artistic avenues so early and so young, whether parent approval was granted or not. To me, there is a deeper connection here, exemplified best by Russian-born, award-winning artist known as Mila Sketch. I think I have a genes from my father because he's an artist too manager Julia stepped in. Her mom told me an interesting story. <laughs> she, When she was six, she said, I want to become an artist. She doesn't remember that. Uh, and her no. mom was like, no, you're going to go to art school. Said, no, to art school. And her mom said no. no. So she went and secretly, she lived in Mormon's small town, you know, like, so pretty safe. So she was able to sneak out by herself and uh, <laughs> enter exams for art school. Wow, she passed them when the letter of acceptance came in the mail she showed to her mom. Her mom had no choice. Yeah, but she was embarrassed if she wouldn't pass or get accepted, then she was embarrassed that her family would make fun of her. It's incredible to think of a tiny six-year-old practicing art in secret, let alone to think what might happen if she didn't pass, because her artwork, three years later, at nine years old, was already picked up by a museum. And since 2002, her artwork has been exhibited worldwide. But like Mila's mom, most parents don't get it. They don't get art. They supported me, but I don't think it was so much that they didn't want me to do it. It's that they didn't understand what I was doing. 
they were not familiar with the arts much at all. They grew up in a small town, Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Yeah, there was like no culture. Like my dad didn't even have electricity when he was a little kid. That's a reasonable response. Art is a luxury, but there's a burden of proof thrown onto young artists. Why? If you're worried about how your kid is going to make money, yeah, it's 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 a it's a nice thought, but it's not practical. It's something that's good to continuously say. Like I mean, I haven't even thought about it in a while, but it's like do you think like what am I doing and why? What is this bringing to someone's life? Am I gonna just like like wow, all this is shit. Here, I'm gonna go like try to be an engineer now. But uh, so what? I don't think it's wrong. But, you know, why, if, why would you like feel pain in the process? I think if I was in like a truly capitalistic mindset of like, I need to make money, be successful. There's always money to be made. I know. So an art career looks absolutely dismal to parents. It's curious. Where did they get this idea? The starving artist. When I try to find older artists, veterans of the art world to gain some perspective, there were none. A majority hung up their hats and became art professors, or they were just a hobbyist, until I found Alyssa Taylor Went. Um, I've been an artist for about 20 years. Uh, for about 30 years, I've been making music and uh, acted in films and ran businesses and acted in crazy drag musicals and uh, made visual art. And I asked her why she thinks most artists quit making art. You can hear me in the background having a hard time digesting her answers. I think a lot of people can't handle that. And a lot of our sort of tragic, you know, cultural figures or people that bode under the pressure of um, that kind of rejection. I mean, Van Gogh sold one painting in his whole lifetime while he was alive. Whoa. One, yeah. I know. Imagine so he imagine the drive that he had to have yeah. to keep painting despite the fact that nobody bought his work. Imagine yeah. that kind of ambition. So that's what I recommend. If, if you don't have that, I would just keep it as a hobby and go to law school and do something to fight the fucked up establishment in this country. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, really, because um, it's just a hard... It's a, it's a hard road to choose, um, and I've talked to a lot of undergraduate classes, and they were like, what, decide to be an artist? And I was like, I couldn't help it. Mm -hmm. I didn't decide. I tried to fight it. My mother is a painter, landscape painter, um, and I really tried to fight uh, finally admitting that I was uh, an artist for life, but uh, I can't help it. Like, if I don't make art, I get a little crazy, you know? Like if I, you know, am working on something else or doing something where I have to earn some money and I start getting a little temperamental and I get a little, my brain gets really full and I get very confused and everything. And I sometimes I, it takes me a while before I realize what's wrong and it's mm -hmm. just because I haven't made any work. So if you need to make work to be sane, if you are totally driven, if ideas just flow into your mind nonstop that you can't even make them fast enough, then yes, by all means, drop everything else and don't worry about having money and be an artist. Rejection. I always tell people I'm good at handling rejection, but it's a lie. I'm an idealist, full of high hopes and songs. So when speaking to Alyssa, it seems she's not talking about speed bumps, but rejection of her overall pursuit. 
as if society is yelling, Hey, quit already! She told me after serious conversations with galleries, they would ask her if they could lower her age. Because as she puts it, if you're older and you're an artist, there must be a reason you're not famous. There's just some discouragement um, and some very, very drastic conclusions that are jumped to when you're like, oh, I'm an artist, mm-hmm. when you say that. Like, there, some people will look down upon you for saying that. Like, it's just going to happen. And some people let that discouragement get to them and, like, get the best of them. In theory, rejection seems tolerable. But in practice, you feel the weight and it gets heavy. The high rejection rate indicates a very low economic mobility, meaning an individual has a low chance or little ability in improving their income and social status in a lifetime. I think it's interesting because I think of art as being like a revolutionary activity and a spiritual activity. artists quit being artists a lot because of fear. I've noticed that culturally we definitely in the States tend to perpetuate a lot of the um, story arcs of artists who like die penniless and alone and crazy. (laughs) And so those are like the folks that we like to talk about the most like oh yeah putting your head in the oven and like chopping your ear off and like never having babies and just like dying in an apartment nobody finds you for four weeks and then people are like The stories we tell ourselves affect our expectations, which affects the marketplace. This to me was getting closer to how misconceptions turn into reality. And the best illustrations of these misconceptions, quite puzzlingly, are the artists who improve in social status or gain any notoriety. At that level, they're often treated as dangerous. Dangerous because they have too much influence. And I know this may seem out there, but there are bookshelves full of examples. Journalist and short story writer William Ballman discovered the FBI surveilled him for years, suspecting he was the Unabomber. All their evidence was based on personality traits. Anti-growth and anti-progress themes persist throughout each of Ballman's work. First of all, who in the FBI is just reading books? Bowman is a dense writer, but moving on, moving on. And when the real Unabomber was caught, they suspected he was the anthrax mailer. We also have Pussy Riot members who, once they played their music publicly, were arrested, held without bail, and sentenced to two years. Uh, Sci-fi writer Ursula Le Guin wrote prolifically about this tension between artists and society, asking... Is it any wonder that no truly respectable society has ever trusted its artists? Most recently, we see this with Kendrick Lamar, especially after his BET Awards performance in 2015. How can you take a song that's about hope and turn it into hatred? The, the, the message, the overall message is we're going to be all right. It's not the message of I want to kill people. These stereotypes, these stories, this weight placed on the most influential, the most notable, trickle down to the local. But since they're local instead of dangerous, we're easily written off as as crazy. Or even worse, 
you're just weird and you just slap this thing together and ha 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 that was it and then you were done and it's like hmm, maybe that happens yeah. once out of every like 200 pieces that somebody yeah. makes or 200 ideas you know like people put blood sweat and tears into their work and I also think people don't take that seriously so then yeah. they think that's laughable the biggest misconception follows the way language works and socialization works when artists aren't dangerous when they aren't uh, powerful, we get pedantic and we call them romantic. The idea that like we are artists make art just to make art. The selling part comes second. You know, like the idea, like that idea alone makes people take advantage of artists. They're like, hey, JJ, can you do this painting? Yeah, this will be 500 bucks. Whoa, whoa, $500, dude, what? Like that's kind of expensive, man. Like, aren't you an artist? Like, don't you just make art to make art? The terrible thing is that all of these words, the reality behind these words, depend ultimately on what the human being, meaning every single one of us, believe to be real. The terrible thing is that all these words, the reality behind them, depend on choices one has got to make forever and ever and ever, every day.